0: Outside on the
1: track, yeah! Ha ha ha! He's charming, up.
0: Yeah! Take it out of the bank, go put it up! How's it going today, guys? Coming at y'all live in the studio for another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today is May 7th. It's a Monday. And today we got a special guest on here, Kobe Horton. Say what's up to the people. What's going on, guys? Excited to be here. Got a bunch of good stuff to share. So let's get to it. Yeah, let's get down to it. So obviously, LeBron with the buzzer beater over Toronto is the big topic everybody's wondering about. And we'll talk a little, is LeBron the best player ever? Obviously, neither of us saw Jordan play. We're both in our 20s. So neither of us have seen him play. But you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, yes, LeBron is the best player ever. What do you think about that, Kobe? Oh uh, Yeah, I
1: would, I would definitely agree with that. There's a lot of people who say that MJ is better, but I just had a stat here. With uh, game-tying slash go-ahead field goals with under 10 seconds left in the postseason, LeBron is 12 for 23, sitting at 52%, and he's made more shots in with under 10 seconds left more combined shots than MJ and Kobe. Kobe sitting at five for twenty-two with twenty-three percent. MJ sitting at seven for fifteen with forty-seven percent. So I think that's a very impressive stat with LeBron, and uh, just shows how kind of what kind of player he is in crunch time in the postseason.
0: Yeah, no, that definitely is a good stat right there. Like people always said, LeBron wasn't clutch. That was one of the big knocks on him, and as, especially this season, and as his, as his career has gone on, he's become way more clutch and he's hit the big time shots. Like I'll never forget the one when he was in Miami when he really. Had hadn't even hit like a big clutch time shot in the playoffs and Eric Spolster put the board up and he pushed it down and said just give me the ball and he caught that in the corner and hit that three-pointer against the Bulls when the when they had the Derrick Rose with all the ACL injuries but my big thing for LeBron is every single time we've had a knock on him of what he needs to do to be better he's always done it and gotten better like it used to be oh LeBron can't shoot then he got the knockdown three-point shot and then it was oh he's not clutch now he's clutch then it was he can't win without the big three in Miami he went there and not only did he win Without the big three in Miami, but he beat the best team ever, the Golden State team that broke the Bulls record. So they he's just a different player from Jordan. He gets his teammates involved. He's a good passer. Jordan wasn't ever the passer LeBron is. LeBron actually has now 16 30-plus point games and 10-plus assist games in the playoffs, as opposed to Jordan, who only had 15 of those. And we know LeBron's still kicking, but I mean it just is crazy to me on top of that, the year LeBron left the bulls, they went 55 or not a LeBron Jordan left the bulls. They went uh, 55 and 27 without MJ. So I mean, to me, that's a coaching thing. MJ had arguably the best coach ever with Phil Jackson. So I just feel like LeBron does the most with the least.
1: Yeah, for sure. And people talk about rings a lot of the times and how he only has three compared to MJ six and Kobe's five. But I mean, you got to think about who LeBron's playing with. I mean, He's playing with a team who, you know, last playoff series, he had no teammate score more than 20 points. He had no help. Yeah. The guy's averaging almost close to a triple-double, 34.8 in the postseason in his 15th season. I mean, that's just unbelievable. I don't think, you know, many guys in their 15th year have been doing that ever, and he's been to the seven straight finals. He's just, he does it all like you kind of said. He, he can pass it, he can score it when he needs to, and He's just kind of been, you know, everything, every time someone says something about him, he, he pretty much, you know, proves them wrong.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, even people are like, oh, all he wants to do is pass the ball. Well, at first game he did it and they got their butts kicked by the Pacers. Second game he came out and he had like in the 50s and or I think it was 47 or something like that. Yeah. And he just went out and just scored the ball and took it to the rack and 20 points in the first quarter, which was one of the best performances by any player in playoff history in a first quarter. But I mean, he's already taken the worst team ever to the NBA finals the first time he's in Cleveland. This is going to be the second worst team because honestly, I think he's going to the finals again. So I think this is about to be the second worst team ever taken in the NBA finals and he played that one year when Irving and Love both went down with yeah. the second worst roster so I mean LeBron does the most with the least Jordan had Pippen on his team who was a bona fide superstar I mean Irving was a superstar and that's why they were able to win the finals but sure. like he's got nothing and I feel like that LeBron's going up against better competition as well I mean this Spurs team is Greg Popovich he's probably a top three coach to ever coach I mean every single time I mean there's no excuse though for what happened to him against the Mavs but that was just kind of yeah. young inexperienced LeBron We've seen him get better every single season. Yeah,
1: and that was that was his first year with the Heat. So they were trying to you know get their gel together, get everything right. They they did that the next two years and won, and then you know came up short against the Spurs. And I, I go back to LeBron. You know, is he going to leave in the offseason or not? I think you know he he'll make the right decision in the end, and I think he'll end up staying in Cleveland because you know he made that city the promise of bringing back a ring, and I think that, that goes against you know what he says he he said he was going to bring a, a ring, and, you know, that's what he did. And he beat – not only did he bring him a ring, he be, brought him a ring against, you know, the best team of all time, arguably. And, you know, he's just – it's unbelievable to me what he's been doing. And, you know, not only on the court, off the court, he's a, he's a great guy off the court, you know, has been providing. You know, he's been giving money to schools and just all this other stuff. So I really lo- love LeBron and, you know, love what he does. On off the court, for sure. Yeah, no, I agree with you that like LeBron, you never see him in negative media
0: in any way for stuff off the court. Like we never hear about LeBron cheating on his wife or doing anything stupid and yeah, reckless like exactly. other athletes. Like he's the classiest act of any athlete ever. Like Jordan got kicked out of the league for gambling. I mean, we don't know for sure, but yeah. I definitely think it's for gambling. So I mean, Jordan did that, and you don't see LeBron doing anything like that. But going off what you said, I think he'll stay in Cleveland too. They have a lot of cap flexibility with these mm-hmm. trades they made and stuff. I could definitely see him shipping out Kevin Love even though I don't think Kevin Love is what the problem is I think it's I don't think it's with him I mean he's hurt he's got that hurt ligament he did go off though and have 31 yes. the other night but I definitely think he's going to stick around I think it'll be fun to watch for Cleveland but moving on from there we'll touch on some uh, more NBA playoffs and it's about time I think we bring up the Rockets uh, Golden State with both teams up 3-1 in their series I think it's time to open up that debate so I mean y'all obviously know from listening to this enough times that I'm pro Rockets I think the Rockets are winning the finals but who you got in this matchup Kobe?
1: Um, Well I mean- I I mean, if it ends up being Golden State Houston, which I think it will be, I I do have the Warriors. Um, They've been to the finals three straight years. Um, You know, they they just they have four all stars, Kevin Durant, Steph, Clay Draymond, of course. And I just don't know if, you know, Houston can slow them down to the point where, you know, it's just going to be who can score more points in that series, I think. And I don't know if Houston can keep up with four All-Stars when they're on their you know playing at their best level.
0: Yeah, no, I can definitely see that. My big thing for me is, if you look at it about statistically with offense, pretty much in almost every single category these teams are like, I mean, like you said, they have four superstars, so it definitely means they have a worse bench outside of Swaggy P and Iguodala. I pretty much think the rest of those role players they have are worthless. Houston has an abundance of role players because they only have two superstars. I personally think Harden's the best player in the Series, I thought Durant was better than Harden, but I don't really think he is after the way he played when Steph Curry and all them were out. I think I personally, I mean, I can't say that Steph Curry is better than Durant, but for this team, I think he means more to the team. But my big thing is the both these teams like to play at a fast pace. They play a lot of like they shoot a lot of three pointers and layups. They shoot smart, take high percentage shots. But Houston in the regular season hit 15 three pointers per game, and they're hitting 13.7 in the playoffs, as opposed to Golden State who hit 11 in the regular season. Now they're only hitting 10, so that. Number I mean, went down for both teams. Mm-hmm. The Rockets shot a, are shooting a little bit better three-point percentage in the postseason than Golden State is. Golden State shot forty percent from three in the regular season, which is extremely good. Now it's only thirty-three point six, and Houston's shooting thirty-four point two. So I mean, they have a little bit of edge there. But I just feel like that the thing that's going to hurt the Warriors the most in this matchup is the defense. Golden State's outside of the top fifteen in most defensive categories, as opposed to Houston, who's sixth. So I mean, I just feel like Houston can play at the same pace as they can. They can shoot the ball like they can, but the Golden State can't play the defense and Golden State's defense has gotten worse every single year since they won that first finals.
1: Yeah, for sure. And um, I do agree with you. They are they're pretty much identical teams and Houston does have the edge defensively and they also have home court advantage, which does hurt the Warriors because we haven't seen the Warriors play, you know, out there. They've been the one seed at each of the past three seasons. But I, I still think it comes down to KD being the best offensive player in the world. I think, personally, he is the, he's the one of the guys he can just get to the rim whenever he wants, get a bucket whenever they need it. And I really think the biggest X factor for the Warriors is Draymond Green. Just having a four guard who can bring the ball up, he averages a triple-double. He's averaging 12.4 per game, 11.2 rebounds, and 9 assists per game. And that just really – he's just a force to be reckoned with. Defensively, he can shut down anybody. Um, Yeah, I I think Draymond Green's been the biggest factor for the Warriors the past couple seasons. I think he's going to, you know, take them and give them that advantage over Houston. I also like like Clay in this series too, you know, not only being one of the best spot-up shooters – Maybe arguably in uh, NBA history, but he can he can guard any any guard he needs to. He might might not be able to you know you know limit Harden to 20 points per game, but he's gonna you know shut him down, make him tired. And I think he's a great two-way player that helps the Warriors defensively. Yeah, they they you know they've been kind of slow this past or the couple uh couple games of the postseason. But I really do think that them just having this four All Stars off you know weak bench, but four all-stars in the playoffs, I think that's going to take you past Houston in the long run.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely think they have the weaker bench, but I just feel like that what's going to happen is houston will, Houston's houston got an abundance of 3-and-D players. Like You look at Eric Gordon, you look at Gerald Green, you look at Ariza, Joe Johnson, all of them are 3-and-D kind of players, so I feel like they have those players to match up. I mean, Draymond definitely will be a force to be reckoned with, but I my guy in this series is P.J. Tucker, the junkyard okay, dog okay. for Houston. I feel like P.J. Tucker is exactly what Draymond is for them. P.J. Tucker does all the dirty work, he gets the rebounds, he plays hard defense, he's got the best shoe game in the NBA. <laughs> he does it all for him, and I feel like he's that junkyard dog. He can shoot the three ball, too, and he's going to lock up Draymond and kind of D de- draymond up a little bit and kind of okay. push him out of his comfort zone. I mean, Draymond does, plays the biggest role to me for the Warriors besides Steph, because sure. he's the enforcer, and he takes all the technical fouls. Like, if you see somebody knocking ar- around Steph Curry, yeah, Steph might try to get in their face a little bit, but he's not going to do anything. It'll be Draymond the one taking him out, but I mean, I just feel like that Houston's got the matchups. Houston hit... Uh, tw- hit over 1,200 three-pointers this season. Golden State didn't even hit over 1,000. Houston also forces a lot of turnovers which helps them, they're ninth in the league in doing that Golden State's 26th, so I feel like a lot of these things are going to help out Houston and I don't really think that any of these Golden State big men are worth a damn, I just feel like JaVale McGee's basketball IQ is so low that you don't know what you're going to get out of him some nights JaVale McGee's going to be throwing down and other nights JaVale McGee's going to try to bring the ball up the court and do that around the back pass and throw the ball 30 feet out of bounds like, he just always does dumb stuff like that, so I feel like Capella and a are going to be huge in this series but I feel like that the Rockets with James Harden who I I mean I know you said you think KD is the best offensive player in the league I disagree I think Harden is Harden uh, had the greatest um, isolation scoring season ever and he is the, statistically the greatest isolation scorer ever so I just feel like those two things together James Harden and Chris Paul I mean one of the two of them is always on and one of the two of them is always on the Rockets are always winning so I just feel like that with these two players that they're going to be on at least four times in the series and I think Houston can win all four of those and like you said home court advantage on their size. Yeah, for sure. What do you think? What do you think about the
1: Steph versus uh, CP3 matchup?
0: See, I mean, CP3 and Steph is definitely a good matchup. CP3 is one of the better defensive guards in the league, but Steph is one of those players like KD and like Harden where you can't really guard him. You can slow him down and hope that he shoots a worse percentage from the field, but they're still gonna get theirs at the end of the day. I and mean, Steph, with that three-point shot, man, can change any type of game up. But statistically and throughout just the NBA playoffs in general, Steph Curry's been one to fade during the playoffs and not play as well, like we saw a couple years ago against the Thunder where Clay had those huge explosions at the end of the series to take him on to the next round. I mean, Steph's never won the NBA Finals MVP. It was KD last year. I mean, the Warriors didn't really face too much, uh, too many problems in the playoffs last year. It was mostly easy sailing for them. so... I just feel like that Steph kind of fades away a little bit in the playoffs, and I feel like they but I mean they have KD to pick the slack mm-hmm. up, but I just feel like that nobody's going to be able to guard Harden. There hasn't really been a, a team that's able to all season long, and Houston's two and one against them in the regular season, and that one loss Harden didn't play because he was hurt. So yeah. I'm definitely I'm definitely just feel like all signs point to Houston.
1: Yeah, I um, I can see where you're coming from in that aspect of Steph, you know, not you know being the. Best, or he kind of does decline in the playoffs. But I think last year, you know, being KD's first year with the Warriors, I think that that picked up some of Steph's numbers in the postseason. And I also think that, you know, Steph coming off his injury, you know, seems like he's 100% healthy. I, I just know last year, Kevin Durant, he, he pretty much took over that final series against the Cavs last year. I can see him doing the same thing against the, against the Rockets. You know, he averaged about 30, 34 points per game I think it was In the finals last year and it brought up Steph Curry's numbers and Steph was averaging 25 compared to the year before Where you know he didn't have as good of a show Against Cleveland mm-hmm. in the finals so I just think You know that KD helping Helping out kind of picks up everybody Else's numbers and I Think that you know offensively I just don't know if Houston Can really honestly slow down Golden State how fast they play I think Golden State's going to wear them down And transition in transition, get out and get some buckets. And, you know, they've been, Golden State has 16.9 points per game. Off you know, and for um, turnovers or, so, or points off turnovers, so I think that's going to be a big factor too, and get get out in transition, get a couple buckets.
0: Yeah, Golden State has improved their defense down the playoffs, but like you like you said, I just feel like that both teams like to run, so I feel like it's basically the same team playing mm-hmm. against each other. But Houston has yeah. Capella protecting the middle, and they have their junkyard dog with PJ Tucker. So I just feel like that Houston with all those plus Ariza and Paul on defense basically allows you to hide Harden, and Harden actually had a better defensive win than LeBron did this season, just throwing that out there. So Harden's defense isn't his, is what y'all think it is, is but I just feel like that Harden's never had a number two option ever, yeah. and he finally has his number two option with Chris Paul, and I just feel like the sky's the limit. I just think that both these teams are going to keep running up and down the court like they always do, and Houston's going to hit more three pointers like they have all season long, and Houston's going to play better defense than Golden State did like they have all season. I feel like all those factors put together will to lead to Rockets in seven. I definitely think we're going seven games, though, in this series. Uh, yeah. I don't see it going any shorter. It's going to
1: be a great series. let us I'm pretty sure the Warriors are going to close out New Orleans here in five, and I think Houston's going to do the same to the Jazz tomorrow night, so I'm looking forward to that matchup in the Western Conference for sure. Yeah, no, it's definitely going to be the
0: matchup to watch, but we'll call it quits on that. We'll definitely revisit this again. It'll be a long, lingering debate yeah, for here for sure. the next couple of weeks, for but sure. let's move on to some baseball. All right, so like I've been saying all season long, the NL matchup, the NL is a very, very competitive division. The AL has been very competitive too, but just the entire NL is going to be extremely competitive this year. And I've been saying I feel like the team that suffers the most injuries and can play through those injuries is the team that will succeed because, I mean, baseball is baseball. It's a long season. Everybody's getting injured. But to me, the Dodgers right now are that team that's being faced by injuries, and they need to figure things out fast. So we've seen Seager, who's now out for the season, and he's he's the guy I picked to win NL MVP so I mean that's not a very good pick this yeah. season but we see do- see Kershaw now arguably the most one of the most dominant pitchers to ever even play the game he's on the 10-day DL they haven't even had Logan Forsyth or Justin Turner at all this season they're three and four since losing Corey Seager so what's the move here if you're the Dodgers I mean there's basically two things you can do that's tr- uh, get prospects and blow the team up go for vets and then kind of the third thing write it
1: out I mean what are you thinking I'm thinking you have to stick with what you have. I mean, the team did make it to the World Series last year and we're one game short of winning, winning it all against Houston. Um, yeah, they're sitting at fifteen and nineteen right now, but you have to understand there's hundred and eighty two games in the season and you like you said, those injuries are they're really hurting them right now. So I think once, you know, they get guys like Kershaw, Turner, Forsyth back that, you know, that they're going to start playing how they did last year. I think, you know, it's not time to hit the panic button just yet. They are in a very competitive division with the, the Diamondbacks out there and the Rockies. But, you know, in years past, we've kind of seen the Rockies. Last year, they did make it to the NL wild card game. But, you know, years before that, they had they had great starts to the season and they kind yeah. of fell off. And we'll, I don't know how great their pitching is. We'll see. I know they have some great hitters, but playing my high, you know. Yeah, it's tough to be, to be a good the pitcher there. Out there. Yeah, tough. definitely tough to be a good pitcher out there. So I don't think it's time for the Dodgers to freak out Yeah, I think you stick with what you have, but we'll see what happens in these next upcoming games. <laughs> Yeah, no, I def- I agree
0: with you on this one. I think it's too soon to panic just yet. I mean, they're sitting eight games back from first place. It's not a ton. I mean, we watched this team go on a 20-plus tw- game win streak last year and really become the favorites to win the World Series. You know, they lost. I mean, this is- they do have the fourth-worst com- record, though, in a highly competitive NL. I mean, I just feel like it's a little too soon. I'd wait more towards the All-Star break to blow it up. But they definitely need to get Justin Turner back in that lineup. They need his bat in there. I mean, they have a lot of young players that are struggling right now, like, I mean, although we don't really know how old Puig is. There's a lot of speculation that yeah. he lied about his age. I mean, he's <laughs> struggling. You got Chris Taylor struggling. I mean, this team's just, it's the de- they're definitely struggling right now. But I feel like, like you said, it's too soon to blow things up just yet. It's a, Baseball's an extremely long season. But, I mean, the Dodgers can't afford to fall, like, 10 or 15 games back. Mm-hmm. I mean, once you fall back that much, that's when you really start to kind of hit, hit the panic button more. So, for the Dodgers, I'd probably write it out this month. And
1: then you really have to reevaluate. Yeah. Like you said, it's a competitive division out there in the West. Um, we'll see over the next month if they can start hitting better and you know just playing better overall. I think I think you know they will and they'll it'll it just take some time. Only 35 games into the season, around 35 games. Um, I think they're gonna they're gonna be fine. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. So
0: we'll move on from that now and hit our last topic of this of this episode. And let's talk Matt Ryan's contract, since we're both big Falcons fans. And you know it's on the mind of all the Falcons fans. So we got Matt Ryan coming in, signing this five-year, $150 million deal. He's the first player to ever average $30 million per season. I mean, Matt Ryan's been raking in the cash, but... I personally think it's a good deal for Matt Ryan. I really like it by the Falcons. I just feel like that it's so hard to find a franchise quarterback in the NFL nowadays. you got to do what you can to keep them around. I mean, we know what this offense did two years ago and how efficient they were. They pretty much have all those pieces around, minus, like, Levitre and Toy Lolo and— and Taylor Gabriel went to the Bears. But, I mean, Gabriel didn't do anything last year. I think he was more yeah. just a one-season wonder. But I think it's a good move. What are you thinking?
1: Yeah, I was kind of – I was listening to what Colin Cowherd was saying the other day about what, you know, NFL teams need the most. And the number one thing he had was a franchise quarterback, kind of like you said. And I think it is a good – I think it's a good deal, maybe a little bit too much. Kind of, it might hold them back in years to come. They might not be able to sign a big player if the, you know they need to. But I do like the deal that they're they're giving Matt because you know he's a great quarterback. He about he he should have won a ring two years ago. Slipped up against Still the Still hurts me to even think about. Yeah, that wasn't, I mean that was a rough rough game. They should have got a ring there. He he brought in an NFL MVP. He's he's a he's a great quarterback. I think he's a great leader. I think you get last year you kind of slowed down but you know first year under um, Steve Sarkeesian, and you know he's had four offensive coordinators over his career yeah. and I think that hurts him so you, you want to touch up on that a little yeah, bit?
0: Yeah no, th- he's had three offensive coordinators in the last four seasons because yeah. I mean we watched Dirk, we had Dirt Cutter depart then we had those two years of Shanahan then we got Sark now so I mean I definitely think that he hasn't had it's, I mean we didn't execute I didn't think mm-hmm. Sark called necessarily terrible plays I mean we did run the ball a little too much but like the season before that we on second down and longs like we were completing passes to Jones and everybody I definitely mm-hmm. felt felt like he tried to involve other receivers a little bit more which I was not a fan of. I felt I wasn't I was definitely a fan when we were one dimensional and only yes. through the Julio. I mean it seemed yeah. to work. It got seemed us to the Super
1: Bowl. It you worked know. yeah. work up until the fourth quarter of that Super Bowl. So, but yeah. Um, yeah, I do I definitely I don't know. I think things will turn around offensively for the Falcons this year, you know. I, many the Panthers, we saw with the Panthers how long ago was that when they played the Broncos in the Super Bowl. Yeah, three years ago. And then the next year turnaround didn't even make the playoffs. So I think that was a testament for the Falcons last year, how they, you know, they lost in that Super Bowl, but they bounced back and, you know, made it as a wild card and won a game in the playoffs. And I think that was very impressive of them to do after, you know having that Super Bowl feat the year before. Yeah, and we even suffered some bad losses that season, like uh, losing it home to the
0: to the Bills. But, I mean, we yeah. had all our receivers get hurt in that game. But losing it home to the Dolphins when we were up, up like 20-0 at halftime, yeah. it's just inexcusable. But I just feel like you have to pay Matt Ryan because, I mean, it's so hard to get in, get a – Franchise quarterback In the league And we just added Fusco Who's kind of like A low-key good uh, guard In that in that offensive line And we definitely Struggled last year At the guard position Then on top of that We drafted Calvin Ridley Giving Matt Ryan Another offensive weapon And that For Ito sure. Smith Running back from uh, I think he's from Toledo And they said he's A really good receiving back So I mean We
1: definitely are adding Offensive weapons here So I mean you got to keep The person in That uses the weapons Yeah And I really like the Falcons drafting Ridley. I think he's going to be a great replacement for Gabriel having Jones and Sunil on the outside. I think they're going to go with, you know, mostly sets with Ridley in the slot. I think they will put Ridley on the outside a lot, but he, he was a playmaker Alabama and he, he was, he's a force to be reckoned with. So I'm excited to see what he'll do with Matt, you know, pretty much the same, pretty much the same team. Didn't lose too many guys, got a lot of offense, the same offense alignment, still got Devontae Coleman, so I think, you know, the Falcons are in for another successful season if they can execute a little bit better than they, they, uh, they did last year.
0: Yeah, I think that young defense is going to keep getting better. I mean, we a lot of our best players on defense were second- and third-year mm-hmm. players last year. So, I mean, they're coming up on those contract seasons where they can make themselves sure. a ton of money. So, you know, they're all going to be ready to ball out, and they're starting to adjust to the NFL more. I think Duke Riley will have a better season. A lot of times he was there to make the play, just couldn't complete the whole play. So, I mean, at least we know he's got the instincts to get there. But the other thing, too, I mean, I, I – I think Ridley will definitely work out of the slot a good bit, but I feel like that what we're going to do is work Julio in the
1: slot a little bit more. And, I mean, that – Julio in a couple times last year where Julio lined up in the slot and – kind of just run a little slant route or out route, and you can get open. Oh, yeah, and Shan-
0: Shanahan did it a lot, too, so I feel like we'll see Julio work yeah. a lot more in the slot, too. But, I mean, these Falcons are going to be fun to watch. It's going to be a good season. But, Kobe, I appreciate having you on. Uh, anytime, anytime. It's a pleasure to be here. Hey, uh, Yeah, you already know. We'll be back at it again tomorrow, so tune in again tomorrow, guys. Until then, we'll see y'all. Put up. I
1: got them on the The, the home ran with the diners. Every week I my Got my house. Gotta be the garage in my house. Gotta watch up my wrist, cause the house. My bitch ain't sleep at my house. Make her sleep at a hotel now. And when you talk me, you talking it cap. And your diamonds ain't looking like tap. I was always dug for the paps, Keep an army, bitch, my lap.